Hello and welcome to a new episode of After the Amen Podcast. I'm Benjamin Lee here with Miles Hester. We are the evangelists at the West Main Church of Christ in Louisville, Texas. This is our podcast as we talk about each sermon that is preached from the pulpit from myself or from Miles and for that matter from other men who are going to be preaching here. We have a gospel meeting coming up with Max Dawson from the Dowland Road Church of Christ in November. Uh, look for more details about that. Uh, I used to work with Max Dawson. I know he's going to do a great job as he talks about leadership. One of the things, Miles, that Max always says is that everything rises and falls with leadership. And that is so true. Actually, John Maxwell, that's what he says quite a bit. And I think that's where Max got that, um, this idea of leadership, everything rises and falls with leadership. It's actually a great segue into what we're going to talk about today. My sermon from this past Sunday was called Lessons from Three Generations. We looked at three kings of Judah from Second Chronicles chapters 25, 26, and 27. So we're going to dive into that. And Miles is going to lead the way. We're going to have some discussion about the sermon and talk a little bit more about some points of application. Right. So exactly like Ben was saying, uh, I agree with what Max Dawson and John Maxwell have said about everything rises and falls with leadership. I think uh, your sermon was very convicting in that sense um, in a lot of ways, but especially thinking about um, leadership and trying to be more of a trying to grow as a leader and just trying to, you know, become a, the type of man I want to be. And, and, you know, as we continue to develop as preachers and as men as husbands for you as a father for me as a lord willing future father you know just thinking about all of those things and what we pass on from generation to generation uh, like you said yeah i know your title was um lessons from three generations we talked about three maybe not super common people that we maybe not like when you think of people and men men especially in the old testament um you might not think of these three names first but give us a quick a um, couple minute rundown of what what all did you talk about? Who were these three men? Yeah, absolutely. So in Second Chronicles chapters twenty five through twenty seven, um, we started off looking at King Amaziah. We looked at his reign in Judah, and one of the things that was interesting about Amaziah: most of these kings did what was right. Not all of them, I shouldn't say that, but most of them did. A lot of them did. They all also seem to struggle with not giving their hearts fully to God. That was one of the challenges with Amaziah in Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 2. He did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. What's interesting, Miles, is that there were some things where he is listening to God uh, with respect to not putting um, the sons to death, like in verse 4, because of what their fathers had done. So there were things that he knew certainly about the law of Moses and what he should and should not do. Uh, there were warnings that he had from men of God, prophets of God. One of my favorite verses is in verse 9 where he has, I guess, bought the service of uh, warriors from Israel. And the man of God says, no, I don't want you to do that for God has power to help and to bring down. What a great point of application for all of us. He has the power to help us. He has the power to bring us down. And that's what we're going to see in these stories. Pride is what lifted up Amaziah, Uzziah, and Jotham. Uh, not necessarily with Jotham, but with the first two. And God was able to help them, but he was also able to bring them down. Verse 9, though, this man of God said, 
the Lord has much more to give you than this. That's something I want to really focus on that. Look, you think you're limited to these warriors of Israel? No, that's not the direction I want you to go. I want you to trust in me and watch what I will do for you. So what a great thought for all of us. The Lord has much more to give you than this. The 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 gist of this story, uh, Miles, is that pride crept into Amaziah's heart. And he was warned by another prophet of God. Uh, he didn't listen. And um, destruction is going to come. In verse 19, he says, Behold, you have defeated Edom, and your heart has become proud and boasting. The very people that he defeated, he took their gods, uh, I guess, to be his God and to put his trust in them, which is so senseless. And yet sometimes we can do the same thing. So I think if I ever preach this again, Miles, I would definitely make verse eight a redundant statement for mm -hmm. God has power to help and to bring down. You see, we focus a lot, Miles, on what God can do for us. He can help us. He can elevate us, so to speak. And yet we often forget, and this is what pride does. We've been studying the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. He also has the power to bring us down. So that's what we see with Amaziah. Now, his son in chapter 26 with Uzziah, he did what was right in the sight of his father as well. Verse 4, chapter 26 and verse 4, he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Verses 5 through 15 is just prosperity from God. God has the power to help. That's what he did with this man. I mean, this man is just cranking out stuff, uh, materials, weapons, fame. But then in verse 16, Miles, mm -hmm. when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord as God. He's going to get so bold I guess in his strength and his mind, I'm untouchable. He's going to go into the temple and do the work or try to do what the priests are, were only supposed to do. Not even 80 priests could penetrate the pride that was in this man's heart. Mm -hmm. But remember what God said, he has power to help and power to bring down. And leprosy just forms on his forehead and he's going to live a life by himself. So then the third generation that we looked at was Jotham in verse 20 in chapter 27. Well, he learned from his father Uzziah. He didn't go into the temple like his father had done. He didn't reign as long as his father had done or his grandfather. But at least I don't think with his grandfather. Yeah, he had the shortest reign, 16 years, but he seemed to be the most faithful. Again, he wasn't perfect. Someone told me after services, you know, there's other supplemental passages. Uh, I don't think he tore down some of the high places, but he does seem to be walking a little bit more closely with God. And he listened to God. Even when the people were going in a path of corruption, he's listening to God. So this lesson was really looking at these three generations. What can we learn from our grandparents, our fathers, our mothers, and what decisions, what path are we going to follow? So this sermon was all about that. And I got a quote from a young man who uh, that I used at the beginning of the sermon. You know, I heard some, I saw somebody kind of mouthing the, the quote. So other people seem to have heard it as well. You know, if you want to be smart, learn from your mistakes. If you want to be wise, learn from the mistakes of others.
And so this was about learning from these men, Romans 15, verse four, these things are written aforetime were written for our learning. And so learning from these stories, but also looking at our own lives, our own fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers and learning from them about the importance of guarding our hearts and understanding. I, I now want to preach the sermon again, Miles. Uh, <laughs> the Lord has power to help and power to bring down. That, that, mm -hmm. that really sums up these three chapters. Right. Yeah, there's there's so much there. And I remember, you know, listening yesterday and thinking about, and you know, knowing you were going to go through 25, 26 and 27, but still you kind of you kind of get into a position where as you're going through these three men's lives, you're thinking kind of like, well, I hope the next generation <laughs> like gets it together. I hope his kids or his grandkids kind of learn from his mistakes. Uh, depending on who you're talking about. So I was, it, it was nice that Jotham was kind of a happy note to end on. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But um, it is interesting. I do want to get into some of those things, just thinking about like some of the things you were talking about where we talk about pride and we talk about legacy. Um, but I guess the, the first thing I, I wanted to bring up just a couple comments about different verses. It's interesting because there's so many little things in here as you go through these different men's lives. We're just kind of in one sentence. I mean, obviously all the, all the verses are important. All the verses are inspired, but there's just different things. The first verse that right off the bat really convicted me. And I think really is the root of a lot of these problems was in 25 chapter 25 and verse two, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord yet not with a whole heart. And literally in the margin of my Bible, I wrote, wow, is this you? And because mm. I think we've all been, you know, like I would, that's such a devastating thing to say about someone and about their legacy of he did everything that was right, yet not with a whole heart. You know, everything he did, you know, he did pretty good, but his heart was only 75% in it or 80% in it, you know? And so I think that's just such a, that's so quick. That's such a short little phrase there. But how unfortunate would it be if at my funeral, everyone was, oh yeah, he was pretty good, but he just didn't really mm -hmm. put his heart into anything, you know? Well, uh, no, I understand. That's a great point. Let's talk about this a little bit more too, because imagine <laughs> if the Holy Spirit was recording our lives, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, Benjamin was 30 years old when he started preaching and he preached for 16 years. Uh, he did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that language, whole heart, what comes to mind? Um, devotion comes to mind. We had a guest speaker last Wednesday at uh, West Main. He talked about motivation behind what we're doing as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that could be a part of it as well, like the church in Ephesus and Revelation chapter 2. They were doing a lot of good things right in the sight of the Lord, but they had lost their first love. What What do you think this idea is with not having a whole heart? It makes me think of First Corinthians, the first couple of verses of First Corinthians thirteen, where mm. Paul says, "You know, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am nothing." And if I have faith so that I can move mountains and I give my body to be burned, you know, all these things, if I do these phenomenal things with my life, and like you said, if, if the Holy Spirit were to record your preaching career or my preaching career or, you know, anybody's life, even if they're not a preacher, just thinking, you know, 
what what would that say like i he he did everything right or she did everything right but you know their heart wasn't in it or they just they you know they they did nice things for people but they didn't actually love people or you know i think i that's kind of what i think of where i'm just like almost doing things out of necessity where i'm following the rules so to speak but i'm not doing it and i guess that does kind of get back to motivation like you were talking about with our guest speaker last wednesday where you know i i'm doing things right but not because i love god or because i love my brethren or because i love the word but just because i feel like i have to or i don't want people to be on my back if i don't or mm -hmm. whatever that might be or you know just kind of that ex extrinsic motivation um, which, you know, we need that too sometimes, but, you know, hopefully it's rooted and grounded in love, right? Well, the devil thinks like this too. And so a couple other thoughts too, right? Was it easier, and I'm just saying, thinking out loud, right? Was it easier for Amaziah and even his, his son Isaiah to do what was right when they were prospering? Is it easy for us to do what's right when we're prospering or maybe like when we're kind of coming up on the ladder you know, we're kind of climbing and improving and we're really close to God because we really want these blessings from God. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Satan in the book of Job, in Job chapter one, he accuses Job of this. He accuses Job of, well, the only reason why Job is being faithful to you is because, I mean, look at what you're giving him. Uh, Job one and verse nine, then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him or about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Maybe there's some differences there, but Satan has this thought that for us followers of God, yeah, as long as God has this hedge around us and we're doing great, we don't have any physical sickness. Our businesses are prospering. Our families are doing well. Oh, man, it's so awesome to worship the Lord. He's so good. Mm -hmm. But Satan thinks, and he, he's probably right in some cases, take the hedge away. And what are you going to be left with? So I think that's something for us to really think about. What if the, if the hedge is taken away? Mm -hmm. If the, the blessings are taken away? Or if the blessings are so abundant, what's still going to remain? Are we, are we going to have any interest in serving God um, or is it going to be pride that's going to creep in? So I think there could be some nuances there that can help us with kind of navigating this idea of not having the whole heart. And I think a lot of that is encapsulated, bringing us to the second generation in what you read a minute ago, Second Chronicles 26, 16. But when he that was another thing that really stuck out to me was, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, which again, really fast, really succinct. But when he was strong, he grew proud. And so I think the Holy Spirit's proving Satan wrong, right? What, like what you were just saying about what Satan believes. And, you know, if we're, if you take away our happiness or you take away our comfort or you may, or you throw a wrench in our life, right? Then, you know, we're not going to serve God anymore. But Isaiah's downfall is, things are going so well and something, so well. That, right, mm -hmm. and something that I really, really loved that connects to the verse before is, and his fame spread at the end of verse 15, his fame spread far for he was marvelously helped 
till he was strong. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so interesting that it says he was marvelously helped, not he was such a great warrior just because he was that strong and that good and had mm-hmm. read all the military books. He was marvelously helped. But he didn't think he was, or he lost sight of the fact that he was helped. He lost sight of how he got there, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the, he lost sight of the fact that he was marvelously helped. I think, like, almost marvel. The phrase "marvelously helped" is like maybe the two <laughs> most important words in, the, in those three chapters, mm-hmm. in a sense, just because he was not like he wasn't marvelous. He wasn't just such a great commander, such a great king by himself, you know. And then that like I said, leads us to the next verse. But then he was, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. And then, you know, he's mm-hmm. struck with the leprosy and everything. Um, but I think that can be a really helpful thing for us too, is anything good that I do or you do or anyone does, I, I hope we, ne- I pray we never lose sight of the fact that we are, we are not marvelous. We are marvelously helped. Right. Ooh, that's um, good. <laughs> but, I know, maybe I want to preach this sermon. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, you can preach it. Go ahead. <laughs> no. But um, anyway, but there's just so much there between, and like you said, just um, well, and even another thing that kind of stood out to me was in verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty-five, verse nineteen. It says, you say, see, I have struck down Edom and your heart has lifted you up in boastfulness. So they're not, so he's not um, being lifted up or being glorified by God, right? Um, He's being glorified by himself. And I think that's the thing where it's like, look what I've done. I think this, I think this was my own doing. I feel like I was acting alone or whatever. Um, But again, your heart has lifted you up in boastfulness. That's, that's not true pride. That's not obvious. Obviously that's not godly pride. Um, but anyway, there's just so much there between um, just thinking about how, um, you know, pride disappears. Uh, I mean, where pride comes from um, and how to manage it. But um, I did want to bring, I did want to bring up chapter 27 um, I think one of the main verses we you talked about with uh, Jotham was verse six. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. What do you think that means as far as priorities, or how how do I, if I want to order my ways after the Lord, how do I do that? Yeah, that's a great question. In chapter twenty-seven and verse six. He became mm-hmm. mighty because he ordered his ways. So very much like what you just said, he he's becoming mighty or marvelous because he's being helped by God. Ordering his ways before the Lord is God. There has to be some understanding of who God is, number one. What does God want me to do, number two? How does God want me to respond and how does he want me to live, number three? And so the mm-hmm. ways that we live our lives, our conduct, our leadership, our families, our stewardship, our money, whatever it may be, then we have to order it according to the steps of God. So a a practical thing for all of us to do is to look at God's word and to see, okay, how, Lord, do you want me to order my ways? So think about Hezekiah, like in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah went to him and he said, um, you know, prepare your house because you're getting ready to die. He He had to get things ordered. He had to get things prepared because he was getting ready to die. Now, God gave him additional an additional 15 years, but he's ordering his steps. And uh, how do we do that? I think it's actually simple and yet hard at the same time. 
we read the text, we listen to what God has to say, we look at these examples, okay? I know that a, a, a partial heart to God is not going to be what God ultimately wants. He wants all of me. So that's something that I have to look at. Number two, uh, what part of my life may not be in order according to his ways? Is it uh, what I'm doing with my eyes or what I'm listening to with my ears or where my feet are taking me or what I'm saying with my lips and my tongue? And whatever the case may be, then we need to align that according to his ways. So this gives us, I don't know how some people say like a North Star. It gives us direction. It gives us uh, perspective. Psalm 119, 105, uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so I think all of that would fall into how Jotham is ordering his ways. He did not order his ways after his father. Otherwise, he would have went into the temple. Otherwise, he would have been rebellious, just like his father. He didn't do that. He doesn't seem to order his ways, although there were still some high places, evidently, that was still there. The people acted corruptly in verse number two. Um, so, you know, he, he's still doing something that is good to some degree. Um, and so I think that's the idea of ordering his ways. Right. No, that's that's a lot of really good advice. I think, like you said, it's it's easy and it's hard at the same time because I know, um, you know, it can be easy to think like if you ask if you ask me what my priorities should be, I can pretty easily tell you. You know, God has to be number one. My family is number two. Uh, my church family should be number. Th- you know, I can I can go through the list and and I would imagine most Christians more or less would say the same thing as far as what, you know, God has to be number one in my life. And, you know, that's something we talk about a lot, but the reality of that um, or putting that into practice, right? Like we always say, actions speak louder than words. Um, So like you said, with what I'm saying, what I'm listening to, um, who I'm listening to, who I'm spending my time with, all those things kind of come into that. And along those lines, kind of bringing us into the last couple minutes here, thinking about legacy, obviously, when you're talking about um, father, son, and grandson, or three generations of men, especially kings. Um, a big part of your lesson was talking about legacy and our legacies. I know um, you mentioned uh, briefly um, some a couple things about uh, your father, and then just thinking about you know obviously your son was sitting in the front row, so just you know thinking about those things as far as the type of legacy you want to leave and everything. Um, but I guess what, as a father, what advice would you give to, to fellow fathers or, or maybe let's start here. Um, what, as a father, what advice did you take from who maybe didn't have the best dad in the world? Who's trying to be the best Christian father you can be for, for Josh? What, what advice do you take for yourself from these three men? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. Thinking about my dad, there were negatives, but there were also positives. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom and dad had a great relationship, uh, marriage for the se- first seven years. Um, dad mm-hmm. got into social drinking after that. Um, so one thing that I did see is, you know what? I need to stay away from social drinking and from drinking. Um, I got drunk sometimes in college. I had to make a decision. You know, I think I'm going to be down, go down that same path as he did. I had to make a decision about what, you know, who am I trying to really be and what am I going to be about, right? So mm-hmm. I could definitely see the hypocrisy there. My dad was a hard worker. That's something that I, I seek to replicate as well. He, he mm-hmm. worked really hard. 
And when he was sober, he, he did a lot of great things. And so strong work ethic. Uh, he would wake up early in the morning. I, I can wake up early in the morning as well. Uh, I was just talking to my mom about something a couple of days ago. He always strived with uh, being punctual. Uh, that's something that I strive to do as well. Um, you know, he did love his family and there were just some, some demons and that, uh, he, he can never, not, I wouldn't say never, but he just had a hard time really facing. So there are, there are things that I learned from him from that perspective. And I was listening to another podcast, um, today, and they were talking about pain versus suffering. You know, we can have pain when we have to face certain things and that pain can be seen in different feelings and emotions. Sometimes we don't always want to feel that pain. But what happens when we suppress that pain, that's when real suffering begins because we're not we're not willing to face the actual pain and the emotions and the feelings of whatever that thing may be. So as I think about that on my dad, I think that's where a lot of his suffering came from, right? Mm -hmm. Where there was a lot of things that would have created a lot of pain and alcohol was really like a buffer for him to kind of dole that pain, but long-term it created a lot more suffering. So, you know, there are a lot of lessons that I've learned from him with respect to legacy. I mentioned this in the sermon, you know, I've, I've already made mistakes in my marriage and, you know, being a father is a hard thing. Um, there's a lot of things to juggle. I, I think um, apologizing how we apologize Jotham had to understand what his father went through because he didn't do it. So he learned it somehow. Maybe he was old enough to hear about it or his mom or someone shared, okay, look, this is what your dad did. So don't go down that path. Mm -hmm. I think as fathers, we have to be willing to have those tough conversations with our sons and our daughters as well. So I, I wasn't a virgin when I got married. Um, you know, I've had that talk. I think I've had that talk with my son, Josh. I, I want him to go further than me with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are certain things that we can become embarrassed about, but if we want the next generation to excel and to learn, then we have to also communicate some of these things as well. So I did learn a lot from dad and there's ways that we can learn, you know, we can live and learn. Yeah. You know, if you're learning how to make eggs or run a marathon or ride a bike or something like that, when it comes to our soul, we want to learn and live. Uh, when it comes to our marriages, our finances, we want to learn and live. So. I learned a lot too, just from him with, uh, being healthy, uh, largely because he wasn't healthy. So there's, we don't have to experience certain things, you know, with drinking or smoking to know, no, I don't think I need to go down that path. So yeah, there's a lot that I learned. Um, he could be a kind, gentle man, had a good sense of humor. Uh, there were a lot of great qualities that he had. Um, it was just some of these things that suppressed a lot of those qualities and created so much suffering that did not have to be there, if that makes sense. Right. I think that's yeah. really a big, I mean, at least for these three men that you talked about in this sermon, I that was a big takeaway for me too, because I guess, you know, growing up in the church, you hear, you know, you you learn the kings and you learn the timeline of the kings and it's like bad king, bad king, bad king, a good with a few good kings sprinkled in there. But it's, it's really not that simple. People aren't as simple as, Oh, they were either a good person or they were a bad person. The mm -hmm. best people we've ever known have had dark moments. The worst people we've ever known has have probably had a, at least a couple of good moments, right? Um, 
And so I, I think that's the big thing to take away from them too, is thinking about our legacy is like, we're a lot, you know, we're allowed to face, like you said, facing the negative in your own life, but also like facing the negative of like, okay, like my dad, my dad, for example, is a phenomenal guy. I have so, so many um, values and, and parts of characteristics that he has that I definitely want to replicate, but it's also allowed to say like, you know, and he, you know, he would say he's not perfect. And like you were talking about, um, like we can say that and like and you being honest with josh of like i'm not perfect and i hope to be honest with my future children about my imperfections but just i i think that's what probably especially jotham what he would have had to face too looking back and knowing or like some of the things he would have heard about his dad and seen okay wait you know that's not that didn't go too well and maybe and maybe he would have known um you know jotham thinking about his dad would have known okay when he grew strong then he became proud to his destruction like maybe he would have thought of it like that where it's like oh okay when things started going really well and dad stopped giving god the glory then that was kind of where things started to break down and so i think we can kind of look at that in our own lives too um and just you know like both have to be true um with all of these men um with the people in our lives there's the good and the bad and and like you said there's multiple ways of learning where there's definitely things I want to replicate, but there's probably things I don't want to replicate um, and experiences I don't want to have. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Any closing well, thoughts? Yeah, I'll just close with a couple of thoughts here. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, God warned the people about all of this. In verse 11, he says, actually going back to verse 10, when you get into the land, you're going to be satisfied and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. That's what's happening with these kings who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. We watch these TV shows with athletes who become uber successful, and then there's this drastic fall and things like that. Well, success can come in a lot of different ways, and it's not just making a billion dollars or being in the NBA or the NFL. All of us have different levels that we know that, man, if I could just get to this point, then I really have arrived. If I can make six figures, oh, now I'm here. And there's so much pursuit or seven figures or eight of success. Mm -hmm. If I could just get 5,000 followers on Facebook or uh, a, you know, a million people on YouTube, then I've really made it. No, you actually may be in a much dangerous position. So be mm -hmm. careful what you go after. Make sure that we're going after giving our hearts fully to God. He will give the increase, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like. And whatever he gives us, that's how we glorify him by giving back to him in worship and honor and praise. And so he is able to help and he is able to tear down. Mm -hmm. So we can't just look at God, well, I just want him to help me. No, 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 no. You need to be careful. Remember who he is and how you got to where you got to. And so he's able to, 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 to rise up and also to tear down. And so what we want to do 
We want to learn and live from one another, even ourselves. Look in the mirror. I can look in the mirror and say, that was that was dumb. In fact, mm -hmm. I have a book called, it's called A Stupid Book. Uh, Nikki doesn't want me to call it that anymore, but I just list different choices that I've made and decisions. Mm -hmm. And I can look back and say, no, no, that, that wasn't a wise decision. Mm -hmm. So do I want to keep making this same decision? I don't, I don't want that. So we can learn and live. We don't have to unnecessarily suffer. That's going to happen anyway. So I would just leave everybody with that. Let's, let's learn and live from God's word. Let's order our steps after his ways. Let's know that pride, all of us are on Satan's target list because it's just a subtle thing of pride slip, slipping in and getting in the way. And before you know it, we become enraged when we hear the truth. And I think that's a telltale sign. Mm -hmm. When pride has crept in, how we respond to when the truth is being taught or read, do we become enraged? And if so, why? Mm -hmm. That's what happened with Uzziah, Uzziah. So let's leave mm -hmm. a lasting legacy. I love what you said, Miles. It's not as simple as good or bad. A lot of these men had good qualities, and we can continue to build upon what God has given us and growing as we repent and confess to him and as we continue to, to follow him with a whole heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some great um, comments. There are some great things to think about. You know, don't let the don't let your good qualities become the reason you're remembered as the bad guy, right? Um, so anyway, well, thank you guys so much. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Ben, for the lesson and for all the um, comments and and the discussion. And we hope to see you all next week for another episode of After the Amen podcast. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you soon. Bye. All right. Take care.